The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Good Friday morning. Okay, I thought it was freezing in Canada yesterday. You must have brought it with you. Much of the U.S. now coping with once-in-a-generation cold, and somehow it's about to get even colder. It's February 3rd. This is today. Plunge that blast of Arctic air, the coldest in years, now blanketing tens of millions from the Midwest to the Northeast. And this weekend, historic wind chills as low as negative 60. While in the South, lingering problems from that week-long ice storm. Hundreds of thousands still without power this morning. We're covering it all, including Al's full forecast. Breaking overnight, a suspected Chinese spy balloon spotted over the U.S. It's been there stationary for about the last 35 minutes. The Pentagon actively tracking it, weighing all options, including shooting it down. And just this morning, Canada monitoring a potential second incident over its skies. The very latest in a live report. Roller coaster with layoffs on the rise led by major tech companies. What this morning's new jobs report could reveal about the economy and the impact on your bottom line. Courtroom clash, a heated legal fight over a possible motive at the Alec Murdoch trial. They need to understand really what this man was hiding. Inside the push by prosecutors to tell jurors about the potential millions they say he stole. All that plus Space Force. Meet the new group of civilians getting set to blast off and their intense training all around the world. Incredible. The craziest emotions ever. Our exclusive with the crew straight ahead. And may the Ford be with you. Our interview with Hollywood icon Harrison Ford. The idea of not working doesn't make much sense to me. It's really where I feel most alive. Today, Friday, February 3rd, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cutby. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Today. Nice to have you with us. It's Friday morning. Yay. You're back from Quebec City. Quebec, it was like negative five, but they ain't got <laughs> nothing on what's going on here. Yeah, I, was, I guess zero feels warm to you now. We're having such a cold crunch, but you know where it was hot? Where? Um, well, yeah, go we, ahead, say it. Harrison Ford. I got to interview him. I was sweating. This is my favorite movie star of all time. It's everyone's favorite movie star By the of way, all time. I cannot believe you got to sit across from him, feel his essence. Can't wait to hear all about it. <laughs> feel his essence. Yeah. All right, we'll get into that in a little bit, but we are keeping an eye on this story. Everybody's talking about it. That suspected Chinese surveillance balloon. It's been hovering over parts of the U.S. apparently for the past few days. NBC News broke this story. We will have new details just ahead. But we are going to start with that Arctic blast. It's now expanding across the Northeast. Here are some of the temperatures as we speak right now. Freezing in the Rhone, right? 28 in New York with a wind chill. 23 in Boston. Okay, now look at this. That deep freeze really taking hold overnight. Temperatures bottoming out at negative 7 here in New York City. Negative 26 in Hartford, Connecticut. 
Negative 54 in Caribou, Maine. Oh word. And this all comes at, what, at the end of what's been a wild weather week, including that devastating multi-day ice storm down well, south. Al's on it. He's got everything we need to know as we head into the weekend now. But first, NBC's Emily Aketa in Boston. The temps plunged dramatically overnight. Emily, good morning. Good morning. As you mentioned, it's just over 20 degrees here in Boston right now, but temperatures will continue to topple by the hour into dangerously low levels. And to make matters worse, the whipping winds up to 50 mile per hour wind gusts in New York and parts of New England. You can see right now it's pretty quiet here in Boston with schools canceled across the city. Officials urging people to stay out of what could be some of the coldest weather parts of the region have seen in decades. From the Northern Plains to New England, tens of millions bracing this morning for a historic Arctic blast. What we're likely to uh, in, uh, encounter uh, over the next 36 to 48 hours is going to be really unprecedented. It will feel like minus 20 today in Chicago, 30 below in Boston on Saturday, and a jaw-dropping minus 60 in northern Maine, where the National Weather Service predicts it will be an epic generational Arctic outbreak. Frostbite is a concern. The city of Boston declaring a cold emergency, closing public schools and opening warming centers. In Buffalo, schools also shuttered today as signs warn residents of the potentially life-threatening cold. Just weeks after a deadly blizzard. The polar punch comes as parts of the south are still thawing out from a week-long ice storm that claimed at least eight lives and left widespread tree and power line damage. Hundreds of thousands without power this morning in the South Central region. I haven't slept in a bed in two days. So, yeah. and my apartment is cold. Austin Energy telling its customers they can't say when power will be restored. Ice, trees, and tree limbs continue to knock out power to the same circuits that crews have just restored. One tree weighed down by ice, touching power lines and catching fire. <laughs> just part of a massive emergency cleanup effort underway. We're looking at declaring a disaster declaration. Throughout the region, dangerous patches of ice coating roads. Videos of people slipping and falling, filling social media feeds. The South still struggling to untangle from this week's icy mess. A few more branches fell, had to clean it all up again. As bone-chilling temperatures prepared to freeze the Northeast. And as these frigid temperatures set in, officials reminding people to limit their time outside, wear layers. Remember, with these wind chills well below zero, frostbite can set in within just minutes. You're also going to want to let water drip from your sinks overnight to help prevent those pipes from bursting. And never use gas stoves as a heater. If you're seeking warmth, attend one of the warming centers. Many regions are opening to help people avoid this bitter cold. Savannah? All right, it's going to be a rough few days here, Emily. Thank you. Let's bring in Al to find out what else we need to know. This is a bad one. Uh, it really is. From Fargo all the way down to Elkins, out to Bangor, 100 million people are going to have wind chills of zero. 18 million people will have wind chills of minus 20 from Presque Island down to Scranton and out to Nantucket. So here's what we're looking at right now. Wind chill, it feels like 17 in Chicago, 16 in Charleston, 18 in New York. This is the warmest you are going to be if you're in the Northeast. Look at these temperatures start to tumble. 
starting at 7 a.m. By 4 p.m., we're talking about minus 3 of a wind chill in New York with an air temperature of 16. One in Binghamton, minus 20. Washington, D.C., you've got a wind chill of 7. By Saturday morning, the bottom drops out. It's going to feel like minus 54 in Millinocket. We're looking at minus 30 wind chill in Boston, minus 24 Binghamton, Cleveland. You're going to feel like minus 3. But here's the good news. Temperatures start warming up quickly. By Tuesday in Boston, you're at 43. New York, 50. 53 in Cleveland, Chicago. You'll see temperatures in the low 40s. So 24 hours of pain, and then we get a gain when it comes to our temperatures. All right, Al, thank you very much. And now to new developments overnight on that suspected Chinese spy balloon in the skies over the U.S., the military monitoring it closely. They've even discussed shooting it down. And this morning, Chinese officials are weighing in. NBC's Courtney Kuby covers the Pentagon, was the first to report this story. Courtney, what is the latest now? So the last place we know it was spotted was around Billings, Montana on Wednesday. That's only a couple hundred miles from a U.S. base, which critically is where the U.S. keeps some of their intercontinental ballistic missiles. U.S. officials were so concerned about the spy balloon that on Wednesday, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, while traveling in the Philippines, convened a meeting of his senior leaders in the middle of the night his time to discuss this balloon. And they even discussed options for bringing it down. This morning, tensions are rising between the U.S. and China over a suspected Chinese surveillance balloon that has been hovering over the northern U.S. for the past few days. It's been there stationary for about the last 35 minutes. This footage, shot by an eyewitness in Billings, Montana on Wednesday, the same day the Pentagon said the suspected spy balloon passed over the area. It's an area near a U.S. military base, home to intercontinental ballistic missiles, and defense officials say the balloon is still over the U.S., but declined to say where it is now. Once the balloon was detected, the U.S. government acted immediately to protect against the collection of sensitive information. Senior military officials say they looked at options, including even shooting the object down out of the sky. Ultimately, they came to an agreement that if they were to do that, it would create a debris field that would put people and assets on the ground in Montana potentially at risk. China responding just a short time ago, saying the balloon is a Chinese civilian airship flying over the U.S. for meteorological purposes, and they regret it strayed into U.S. airspace. But some U.S. lawmakers calling this balloon incident a provocation. Montana Congressman Ryan Zinke tweeting, shoot it down. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy calling for a briefing of the Gang of Eight, the group of lawmakers charged with reviewing the nation's most sensitive intelligence information. Senior administration officials tell NBC News that the president was briefed, but he concurred that they didn't need to shoot the surveillance balloon down. Now, all of this comes amidst heightened tensions between the U.S. and China. And Secretary of State Antony Blinken will be in China in the next, the next few days as part of a previously scheduled trip. But another very real concern here is whether this balloon could drop sensors to gather sensitive information. These sensors can be very difficult for the U.S. to track. U.S. defense officials say they're watching it minute by minute, including using aircraft like AWACS and F-22s with their own very advanced surveillance capabilities and sensors. Savannah? Well, it's a fascinating story. Courtney Kuby broke it there at the Pentagon. Thank you, Courtney. We turn now to the state of the U.S. economy as the newest jobs report is released today. And it comes amid mixed signals from the tech world. Tens of thousands of layoffs in recent weeks, but a rally for certain big tech stocks. So here to sort things out and the impact on consumers, NBC's business reporter Brian Chung. Hi, good morning. So, I mean, it's mixed messages that we're really getting because we've seen all these really big tech layoffs. 
job market's been pretty resilient. Yeah, overall pretty solid when you consider that we've already recovered all the jobs that we lost during the pandemic. Now, over the last year, it was really in uh, food and, hot, food and, and businesses that kind of sell those types of things uh, that drove a lot of the job gains and also healthcare that drove that. But look, all of the, what makes this so interesting is that despite all of the uh, kind of things that we're hearing with regards to uh, issues with the economy, businesses are still not staffed up enough. We've seen that uh, job postings as of a reading that we got earlier in the month uh, was actually about at 11 million. So businesses can't, uh, they don't have enough people to essentially handle all of the uh, demand for their goods and services. And how does this factor into the larger economic picture? We just saw the Fed chair raise interest rates again. So how, I mean, you know, there's a lot of levers. It's pretty complex. How does this all work together? A lot of levers. And when it comes to the interest rate hike that you mentioned from earlier this week, it means that the economy is essentially in a place where inflation is coming down because the Federal Reserve was able to hike interest rates by a smaller amount. But overall, the jobs market is still very interesting to watch here because when it comes to just where we've seen a lot of the headlines, it's in the tech space, right? We've seen layoffs at the likes of a meta, at Amazon, at Microsoft. They had their earnings calls this week. They were talking a lot about just how difficult it's going to be for them going forward. So they have a hiring freeze. They're also going to slow the pace of hiring. But we're seeing hiring in other parts of the economy. When you take a look at, for example, Chipotle adding 15,000 jobs and also a lot of these airline industry companies also adding jobs as well. Well, we'll continue to watch it, Brian. Thank you very much. Let's move now to the war in Ukraine and a new alarm being sounded by officials there. Ukrainian intelligence warning that Russia is deploying more troops and military equipment in preparation for what's being described as a, quote, massive offensive. NBC's Raf Sanchez is in Kiev for us this morning. Hey, Raf, good morning. Good morning. Ukraine is on high alert today with President Zelensky last night calling a meeting of his top commanders for what he said was a particularly important conversation. And today he is urging his country to be ready. This morning, Ukraine sounding the alarm that Russian forces are on the cusp of launching a new offensive. Half a million fresh Russian troops have been mobilized, Ukraine says. Not all of them well-trained, but their sheer numbers meant to overwhelm Ukrainian defenses. In the eastern city of Kramatorsk, Russian missiles falling day and night. This direct hit on an apartment building killing four people, authorities say. The city's hospitals straining to treat the many wounded. I felt the pain and everything went dark, she says. President Zelensky vowing Ukraine will stay united, whatever comes next. We have been standing against evil for almost a year. At a World War II commemoration, President Putin making veiled threats of nuclear conflict with the West. They don't understand that modern war with Russia will be quite different for them. Despite Ukraine's pleas, Western tanks still weeks from reaching the battlefield. And no deal for now for NATO to provide F-16 fighter jets. In Bakhmut, police say fewer than 200 children are left in what was once a city of 70,000 people. To get them out, they're using these kid-sized bulletproof vests. They're made by the Lviv Defense Cluster, a team that usually produces armor for NATO special forces, now designing it for children like nine-year-old Angelica Chuganova, whose family was forced to flee their home in Kharkiv at the start of the war. This uh, vest is for children from uh, from four till six years old. Four to six years old. A pocket for parents' phone numbers and a strap to carry kids to safety. My bulletproof vest, a little less colorful than Angelica's. It feels good. Good. A sliver of safety for kids growing up in war. 
and the Lviv defense cluster has made about 550 of those vests for kids so far. They're raising money. They hope to make more. Meanwhile, we are expecting to hear from Ukraine's Olympic Committee later today. They say they are considering boycotting the 2024 Olympics if Russian athletes are allowed to take part. Hoda. All right, Raf Sanchez for us there in Kiev. Raf, thank you. All right, Craig's with us. We turn to another dust-up, partisan yeah. dust-up on Capitol Hill. Savannah, Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. A vote along party lines will remove Democrat Ilhan Omar from that powerful Foreign Affairs Committee. She is now the third Democrat to be stripped of a committee assignment by the new Republican majority this year. NBC's senior Capitol Hill correspondent Garrett Haig has the details for us. Garrett, good morning. Hey, Craig, good morning. Yeah, Republicans say the vote to remove Congresswoman Omar was about accountability for past anti-Semitic comments, most of which came in 2019. Democrats, though, call it hypocrisy, saying the GOP has looked the other way when their own members have made anti-Semitic and hateful comments, and they call yesterday's vote pure political revenge. Representative Ilhan Omar off the House Foreign Affairs Committee this morning after a bitter battle on the House floor Thursday. I didn't come to Congress to be silent. I came to Congress to be their voice. And my leadership and voice will not be diminished if I am not on this committee for one term. No one who peddles in anti-Semitic activity, behavior, or language should have any right to serve on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Republicans united in voting to remove the Minnesota Democrat from her committee seat over since-deleted tweets and comments seen as anti-Semitic, critical of Israel, and appearing to downplay 9-11. As a New York representative, to hear the representative belittle, to try to diminish the worst terrorist attack on United States soil on September 11, 2001, as some people did something, That is unacceptable. Democrats rallying to Omar's defense ahead of the vote. Representative Omar certainly has made mistakes. But what's going to take place on the floor today is not a public policy debate. It's not about accountability. It's about political revenge. Revenge, Democrats argue, for bipartisan votes in the last Congress to remove two Republican members, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar, from all of their committee assignments for making perceived threats against fellow members. I had a member of the Republican caucus threaten my life, and you all and the Republican caucus rewarded him with one of the most prestigious committee assignments in this Congress. I didn't get a single apology when my life was threatened. Thank you. Speaker McCarthy defending his decision to push for Omar's ouster following his earlier move to block Democrats Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell from returning to their seats on the House Intelligence Committee. If it was tit for tat, we would have picked people, took them off all committees and said nothing about it. We don't believe in that. The speaker went on to say yesterday that he wants to revamp how members are removed from committees to try to provide more due process in what has become a purely political action. Meanwhile, Democrats are still frustrated to see members like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who compared President Biden to Hitler, and Paul Gosar, who spoke at a white nationalist conference last year, restored to multiple committee assignments in this Congress. Craig? Our senior congressional correspondent, Garrett Haig. Garrett, thank you. 
718. Mr. Roker's back. All eyes on the weather this weekend. That's right. And with that cold air coming across the Great Lakes, we're seeing some lake effect snow. We had a few snow flurries out there on the plaza. But when all is said and done, we'll be looking at some light stuff, maybe one to two inches of snow on the leeward side of the Great Lakes. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, thank Al. Al, thank you. Still ahead this morning, new drama at the double murder trial of Alec Murdoch. Can his alleged financial crimes be used against him to, dis- to demonstrate motive in the killings of his wife and son. We'll have the latest on the courtroom battle that's erupted. Plus, an inside look at the intense training that's underway to send the next batch of civilians into space. Tom Costello caught up with them exclusively. But first, this is Today on NBC. So it seems like this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Back now, 7.30, a sunny shot from Deerfield Beach, Florida. Doesn't that make you feel nice and warm? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you why, because other parts of the country are coping with a once-in-a-generation wind chills. We're back inside Studio 1A. Al's going to tell us all about that in a bit. But first of all, we're all wearing red. Yes. To bring attention to women's heart health. Yes, and yeah. some are wearing it better than others. Yes. Look, Al's fabulous. I'm sorry. Yes. You win women's heart health. Okay? Well, <laughs> that is, that's you. Well, you know, I'm mad for plaid. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get a headline check here at 7.30. An appeals court yesterday struck down a federal law that banned people who have domestic violence restraining orders against them from owning guns. The Fifth Circuit panel ruled that the law was no longer constitutional under the Supreme Court's recent expansion of Second Amendment rights. The ruling overturned the federal law. It is not likely to impact similar state laws. The Justice Department signaled last night it plans to appeal. Eye drops sold under the brand name Esri Care are being recalled because of possible contamination. Esri Care artificial tears have been linked to at least 55 cases of bacterial infection. Five of those people so far have had vision loss. One person died when the bacteria entered the bloodstream. The recall comes after the CDC urged people to immediately stop using the eye drops. Uh, Now to those new developments at the trial of Alec Murdoch down in South Carolina, the former attorney accused of the murders of his wife and son. 
but it's allegations of financial crimes now taking center stage in that courtroom. NBC's Katie Beck has the latest for us. Hi, Katie. Good morning. Hi, good morning, guys. Court will resume the way it ended yesterday without the jury in the courtroom. They spent most of the day outside the courtroom as attorneys argued over whether evidence of Alec Murdoch's alleged financial crimes will be allowed into trial. In the trial of former South Carolina attorney Alec Murdoch, it's one of two videos drawing scrutiny from prosecutors. This Snapchat video taken by his son Paul Murdoch at a little more than an hour before his murder shows a lighthearted moment between father and son, according to the defense. But prosecutors zoomed in on another detail. The blue shirt and khaki pants Alec was wearing here don't match the white t-shirt and shorts he was wearing a few hours later in a patrol car interview with investigators. See any evidence of any clothes that had been uh, involved in any sort of altercation that had left blood or tissue or brains. No, sir, I didn't find anything like that. But it's a separate clip that sparked another battle in the courtroom. Happy birthday! The defense introducing this video of Paul Murdoch delivering a birthday cake to his father. Prosecutors argue the short clip and witness testimony about Alex's relationships opens the door to prosecution evidence that would paint a different picture of Murdoch's character, evidence of his alleged financial crimes. They need to understand really what this man was hiding. They argue the motive in the shootings, an attempt to gain sympathy and distraction from a slew of financial misdeeds coming to light. Murdoch faces dozens of charges related to financial crimes, including conspiracy, fraud, and the theft of about $8.5 million over an 11-year span. He admitted to you he had been stealing client money? Yes, sir. For much of Thursday, the judge heard testimony without the jury present, weighing whether to allow witnesses related to those alleged financial crimes. Prosecutors say the day of the murders, Murdoch had been confronted over missing money at his law firm. But the defense argues the financial evidence would unfairly sway the jury. They've got you know, a whole lot more evidence about financial misconduct than they have about a murder. Now, prosecutors plan to call more witnesses this morning without the jury present. The judge will then weigh and decide whether any of this testimony is admissible. Savannah. All right, Katie, thank you. I want to get more perspective now on these latest developments. NBC's senior legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett, is here. So, Laura, I mean, it's a bedrock principle in criminal law. You can't bring in bad character evidence just to slime the defendant. Right. You have to have a reason for it. You have to demonstrate that it's relevant to the case prosecuted. How is the prosecution trying to establish that here? So exactly right. The, d the defense here is worried because the risk is that it's so prejudicial that the jury will be so bothered by all these alleged financial misdeeds that it'll be so distracted that they'll say, let's just throw the book at him. He must be guilty of something. That's the worry of the defense. But the bedrock principle that you just articulated, the exception to the prior bad acts rule, is motive. And that's why the prosecution is saying, look, judge, this is critical to my case because it explains why somebody would do something this heinous, so unthinkable, it explains that. Now, whether or not that's going to be a successful theory th for them in front of the jury remains to be seen. There was a big piece of evidence. There was a video and a phone call that purportedly had Alec Murdoch's voice on it yeah. just before the murders. So how is that going to play? I think that's the single biggest hurdle here for the defense team. They have to come up with some explanation for how in the world that was supposed to work when his whole point was, I wasn't even yeah. there. His whole alibi was 
is going to collapse if he can't explain how just minutes before these killings happened, he was in that exact area of the kennel. That's going to be a, a big problem. Lauren, in broad terms so far, I mean, how, how would you say the, the prosecution's done? How would you say the defense is done? Well, it's hard to know exactly because we're seeing so much that the jury hasn't yet That's seen, true. right? This whole entire argument about financial misdeeds, the jury hasn't heard one peep of that. Mm-hmm. I think the big question is, can the prosecution get in this evidence of motive? Because otherwise, they don't have a story for why this happened. They need to explain for the jury how in the world this happened. Even if they're not legally required right. to prove motive, mm-hmm. the jury wants to understand why. And the judge has said he'll let in some of it. This right. hearing is to determine exactly. which parts That's how what much. this trial within a trial is for, because he doesn't want to get overturned on appeal. All right, Laura, thank, thank you. you. Still ahead, Carson's candid one-on-one with Pamela Anderson, looking back at her her three decades in the spotlight as she shares some, some new stories on the highs and the lows from her life. Plus, uh, training for space is no easy feat, especially when you're a civilian. And Tom Costello caught up with a very dedicated crew going to great lengths to prepare. Hey, Tom. Remember Jared Isaacman, the guy who raised a quarter billion dollars for St. Jude with that all-civilian astronaut group? They're going back into space. New civilians, we caught up with them skydiving over the Air Force Academy. It was bone-chilling cold. We'll have the story coming up. Hello, parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty narrator here from the Who Sparted podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. We make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for Who Smarted on any podcast platform or at whosmarted.com. And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com. Alpha 1-9er, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops, on. TVs, streaming. Game console, consoling. Smart thermostat, set for cuddle time. Doorbell camera, oh, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go, you are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet, Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film, The Aviators, now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply, actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. We are back, 742, our series, The New Space Race. The billionaire private astronaut who went to space almost 18 months ago as part of a St. Jude fundraiser. Well, he can't get enough. He's going back. And this time, Jared Isaacman is taking three more civilians along with him. It's on a mission. And this one's even more daring than the last one. NBC's Tom Costello, he caught up with all of them exclusively as they went through that skydive training in Colorado. Talk about gutsy, huh? Yeah, really gutsy. These guys, they're not NASA trainees but they are pushing the limits here on Earth before they blast off on a SpaceX rocket to low Earth orbit. Jared Isaacman is picking up the tab for this mission and two more after this one. It's minus 15 degrees in the sky over Colorado Springs, and the all-civilian Polaris Dawn astronauts are in a free fall. They've come to the Air Force Academy to train with the elite Wings of Blue cadet parachute team. Incredible. The craziest emotions ever. Jared Isaacman is the Polaris Dawn commander. A veteran pilot who once owned his own fleet of MiG fighter jets, he led the Inspiration 4 mission in 2021. Godspeed Inspiration 4. 
three days of orbiting the Earth in a SpaceX spaceship while raising a stunning quarter of a billion dollars for cancer research at St. Jude Children's Hospital. And he'll keep raising money. He's now bought three more trips into space. What is liftoff like? What does it feel like? I mean, it's an incredible sensation, but it, uh, it just races by like time melts away. His new all-civilian crew, former Thunderbird pilot Scott Poteet, medical officer Anna Menon, and mission specialist Sarah Gillis. What's impressed me in the year that since we met, you guys seem so much like a team. You seem so together. Does it feel like that? Uh, there, there's no question. I think I think we largely felt that way day one, and we've we've really only improved upon it um, considerably. I mean, like the the best day of training is when the four of us are together, no matter what we're doing. So. You're pretty tight. Oh yeah. They've spent a lot of stressful time together. <sighs> Climbing a volcano in Ecuador, camping in extreme conditions, nauseating G4 centrifuge training. A practice skydive at iFly, and now here. This is all about team building, bonding before this crew travels further than any other astronauts since Apollo. I think at the end of the day, we need to know each other almost intuitively. Their new five-day mission will include experiments for 23 universities, a higher orbit than any human crew since Apollo, and incredibly, the first all-civilian spacewalk in an all-new spacesuit. I don't think I could have imagined something this big or grand. I, even a year and a half ago, I don't think I could have imagined this happening. Why do this? Why do you feel the need to go on to space personally? Well, I've accumulated some vacation time in my day yeah. job, so... <laughs> Did we mention Jared is a 38-year-old self-made wow. billionaire who started a company that handles credit card transactions. But going big in space is his real passion. And what do you think about when you look into the blackness of space? I think that's where we need to go. And it's just our destiny to go out there and explore and unlock the secrets of the universe. And it all starts with a jump. I mean, I, that's so scary. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do it. Isaac Man will also come in two more Polaris missions after this one. One of those missions will orbit the moon. Private astronauts in a SpaceX rocket, even as NASA, has its own plans to go back to the moon, maybe landing, we'll see, by the end of the decade, you guys. It's so cool watching all this unfold. By the way, while we have you, you just emceed this really cool event out in Los Angeles with some, some huge names, right? And Jared Isabine was one of the people that we honored there. This was a, I was very honored to co emcee this with John Travolta. He was there. Uh, and they honored the likes of Buzz Aldrin and Jared Isaacman right mm. there. William Shatner was honored. Oh uh, I have been, have had the honor of doing this for a few years now. And there's, there's Buzz Aldrin, 93rd yeah. birthday. Uh, and it's a big event, Living Legends of Aviation. And uh, yeah, to be able to be in the presence of some of these giants is just a great thrill. That's your happy place. Absolutely. That's like the Star Wars bar for you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, all right. Thank you, Tom. I'll see you third hour as yeah. well. You're coming back. I'm coming back. Cool. So. Thank you. Al, right. what you got? Okay, let's show you what we got. The Arctic Express. That's why everybody's talking about all that cold air. Showers and stormy conditions down through Florida. Turning milder, thankfully, for our friends in Texas. Sunshine up into the plains. Rain returning to Northern California and the Pacific Northwest. And that is your latest weather. Just yeah. still talking about those temps. Still ahead, your Super Bowl party playbook with the big game just over a week away. We're going to get you ready from food to flat screens. Vicky Wynn is on it. Everything we need. And we're back after this. Wait. Bones with sauce? Yeah.